Welcome back to Water Wind Wine Ministries. I wanted to record this video because it's still January and I'm doing a series called January. Now, this series is actually going to take me past January because it's so incredible and there's so much information. So just bear with me. We are still in the book of John and that's where we're going to stay for the next mm, six sessions. So in this session, we're going to talk about John chapter one and we're going to start in verse 48. Now, before I get started, to recap last time, we were talking about John the Baptizer and Jesus and how John the Baptist did not, or John the Baptizer did not recognize Jesus either as his cousin or as the Messiah without the Spirit of the Lord telling him that. And you can see that over in John chapter 1, verse 31. John says, I did not know him, but he should excuse me, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water, meaning that John did not know who the Messiah would be before this moment happened, and he did not know him as his cousin, because remember, John the Baptist was actually in the wilderness from the time he was two years old, or approximately two, until the time he was approximately 30, because Herod was trying to kill him. You can watch other videos that I have on that. So let's pick this story up in John chapter 1, verse 40, 40, 48. Now, at this point, Jesus has been baptized, and he's walking through um, his hometown, and he's basically gathering disciples. He's walking through the area, and people are recognizing who he is, and they're coming and following him. And this is exactly what happens with a man named Nathaniel. And Philip says to Jesus, this is, I'm backing up, in verse uh, 46, it says, Philip said to, to Nathanael, come to see the Messiah. And Nathanael said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Because Philip said that he came from Nazareth. And Nathanael was making a joke, kind of. <laughs> and Jesus sees Nathanael coming, and he says, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Now, first of all, that tells you that he is a Jew and that there is no deceit in him. So, I mean, it could be said that when Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus said there was no deceit in him, so maybe Nazareth was a really rough place and nothing good ever came out of Nazareth. Just my opinion. Verse 48, where I really wanted to get started. Nathanael looks at Jesus after Jesus says to him, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael says to him, he says, How do you know me? The word know right there is to know intimately. The Jews use it as an idiom for sexual relations between husband and wife. It's to know intimately. And Jesus answers Nathanael with a very interesting thing. Jesus says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. What's very interesting is that we have no reference to this fig tree prior to Jesus saying it. So what does this mean? Throughout scripture, the fig tree is metaphorically related to religious Israel. There are three types of Israel in scripture. There is, 
Actually, there's probably five. There's the land of Israel, the physical topography of Israel. There is the seed of Jacob, thereby the seed of Abraham, that's called Israel. These are all Jews, like the entirety of Judaism is called Israel. So there's those two things, and those are very tangible, very real things. But then we have spiritual Israel, which is what we experience after we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, and I'm not going to get into that. We also have religious Israel, and then we have political Israel. And so what the fig tree refers to is religious Israel. The fig tree. And so Jesus is saying, before somebody who knew me called you, I saw you under the fig tree. This, this has massive implications, and I know it sounds very esoteric and a little bit hard to follow, but if you think of the fig tree as religious and therefore political Israel at this time, then you understand the verse because the word under right there means, it actually means um, diminution. Like that's the word and it means to diminish. It means to make less than. They use it a lot in um, a musical sense. So when, when a, when a uh, note is displayed, in a diminution, it means it goes from really loud and overt and apparent to lower. That's what the word diminution means. And it comes from this word diminish. It means to make lower. So when Jesus sees Nathanael and he says, I saw you before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. What he's saying to Nathanael is, before somebody was sent to you to bring you to me, I saw you being made less than because you were under the thumb, really, of religious Israel. I hope that that makes sense to you. And in this moment, Nathaniel, who is an Israelite, in whom there is no deceit, when, he, when Jesus says he's an Israelite, it means that he's kept as much of the law as is humanly possible at this point. And he says there's no deceit in him, there's no guile in him. And immediately, when Jesus says, I saw how you were oppressed by the religion that you were in, I saw you. I knew you intimately. And watch what happens with Nathaniel. Verse 49, Nathaniel answers and says to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Because that is what happens when religion is broken off by an intimate relationship with the creator. When Jesus knows you, and it is known to you that Jesus knows you, you have no more religion to rely upon. Immediately, you recognize him as God, and your religious or righteous activities come as a manifestation of your relationship with him and being fully known. As a matter of fact, later on in scripture, we see in 2 Corinthians that the veil covers the eyes of the Jews that is the law of Moses. The law of Moses 
covers the eyes of the Jews, the spiritual eyes. They can't see Jesus as the Messiah because they're under the law. And, and let me just break that down for you so you can understand it a little bit easier. When a person, it doesn't matter what religion they are or what non-religion they are, when a person engages in religious activities of any sort, they themselves hold themselves responsible for their own salvation, particularly those actions that they engage in as their salvation. I'll give you an example to bring it down to the real world because I know what I just said was a little hard to swallow and hard to understand. Have you ever heard of anyone or in fact known anyone who has been diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder? Sometimes people with OCD will do things that they think will protect them. For instance, they will wash their hands a certain number of times. They will lock the door before they leave a certain number of times. And this in itself is a religious activity. And what they are doing is subconsciously, they're programming themselves to believe that washing their hands this many times protects them from germs or locking the door this many times protects them from being robbed and so on. These are religious activities that the person with OCD engages in in order to protect themselves. And it is no different than any kind of religious activity that one engages in, believing that it will protect him. So when Nathaniel is called an Israelite, Jesus is saying to him that he is a religious Jew. He's keeping all of the law. And Jesus says, but I know you. And that's a big deal because, because if you are honest with yourself, if you really are honest with yourself and you have been in any kind of religious activity, whether it's locking the door 25 times or making sure you go to church and read your Bible and pray and so on and so forth, and if you're really honest with yourself and you dig into your heart, you will know that there are some things that you hope no one ever knows. The things that you're hoping to guard yourself against when you engage in those activities. There are things that you are afraid of. Why? Because you yourself know that you're not right nor worthy of protecting. You know that somebody somewhere, even if it's a spiritual somebody somewhere, has some dirt on you. And so you're taking it into your own hands to protect you. When somebody says, I know you and I accept you, Immediately, all of that religion falls away and you act out of relationship. And that is what happens when a Jew or any person who is religious in any way meets their creator. For he knows them on the inside and it is revealed that he is their creator in that moment. And that's exactly what happens to Nathaniel right here. Now let's move on. To, we're in verse 50, and Jesus answers him and says, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. This is really important. I'm going to actually, before I explain this, I'm going to read verse 50, um, 51. And he, Jesus, said to him, Nathaniel. So Jesus says to Nathaniel in verse 51, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, I want to point out what has just happened to Nathaniel. Jesus said 
over in John chapter 3. We'll get to there in a later session. But in John chapter 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus that if one is born again, then he can see the kingdom of God. Now, we're going to get this in a later session, but just let me touch on this right now. The kingdom of God is separate from the kingdom of heaven. Not separate as is it's not connected. It's a different thing. Same thing, but different thing. The kingdom of heaven is a physical place in the heavens. And there are certain things that happen and that do not happen in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is manifesting the kingdom of heaven on earth. It's like the country of France is a country that I'm not in right now. I'm in America right now. But if I had been to France, which I have, and had spent a, a number of years there and a lot of time with the culture and understood it, then arguably I could bring France back with me. And because I have an intimate connection with France, I could manifest France, all the traditions, all the customs, everything here in my life in the United States. It's exactly the same thing with the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is heaven and the kingdom of God is manifesting the same culture, the same things that happen in heaven, but here on earth. And, it's, and Nicodemus was told by Jesus that unless one be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, see it. Notice Jesus didn't say engage in it or manifest it. He said, see it. This, I'm reading from John chapter 3, verse 3 now. He said, unless you're born again, you can't even see it. You won't even be able to recognize when the kingdom of heaven is manifesting on earth, thereby making it the kingdom of God. If we go back to our study verse in John chapter 1, verse 51, Jesus says, you will see angels ascending and descending. Now, first of all, what are the angels doing? Why are they coming up and down on Jesus? Basically, they're giving messages from God and taking messages back to God. That's what's happening. And Nathaniel is... that little part that just happened where it went dark and I shut the camera off what happened was we're having a windstorm and our lights went out and we do have a generator but the generator wasn't kicking on literally Heath got up to go change the breaker or switch the breaker or something and I spoke the word of God out and immediately our lights came back on so let's finish because the devil evidently doesn't want this message getting out but get out it will and manifest what it was created to manifest Okay, so we were talking about Nathaniel, we were talking about Jesus, and I was talking about how Jesus gave Nathaniel the right to see into the spirit world at this point. He could see angels ascending and descending on Jesus, because why? Because Nathaniel was born again. In Romans chapter 10, it says that to be born again, you have to believe and speak. Now, particularly, it says that you have to believe that Jesus Christ came and was 
raised up the third day by his father, God, and then you speak that out. Now, Nathaniel didn't have that resurrection knowledge yet because it hadn't happened yet. So Daniel, I mean, excuse me, so Nathaniel, like everybody else at this time, was saved in earnest. In other words, they would be saved when Jesus was resurrected. So at this point, Nathaniel is in earnest born again. And that's why he can see the kingdom of God. And so that is really, really important. Remember that I love you and that Jesus loves you.